Hello, this is Beth Anderson with Anderson Law PC, and you're listening to the Family Law Blues. I'm here with Dominique Nicole, and this is our first podcast. We address issues of divorce, custody, wills, probate. We answer your questions and get your family back on track. So I'm so excited to have Dominique Nicole here for my first interview, and she is a divorce coach. And what's the name of your business again? I already forgot. So it is Divorzing. There's a story That's behind right. that, but you just replaced the C with a Z. What's the story behind it? Well, Zing means to move quick and swiftly. Nice. Um, so when you're dealing with divorce, right, like you really do want to sprint the marathon. You shouldn't. But um, so, that, so that's my goal, you know, to help these women move, you know, swiftly and quickly through this process so we can work on the fun stuff. Absolutely. And I've found in divorce, there's no one really calls me up like, why'd my divorce get done so fast? They're always, why is it still going on? I want it done yesterday. So oh, I find myself trying to put the zing and push it along a little bit. So I'm totally with you there. And another thing we talked about is you have a lot of female clients, but a divorce coach is not just for women. No, no. But, you know, as, as people know, women tend to seek help more, right? We're more apt to go to counselor, doctor's appointments even. Um, and for men, just because of, you know, society and how they've been brought up, you know, they don't they don't reach out for that help. But, but yes, the majority of my clients tend to be women, um, but I do work with some men, those that reach out to me. Um, and, and I know hearing the word divorce coach, you know, that's a sort of a newer term in the industry. Um, divorce coaches have actually been around over a decade now, um, but people are, are very surprised when they run into me and, and see that, uh, you know, there's something that exists called a divorce coach. So what is a divorce coach? So as a divorce coach, um, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a thinking partner or mentor um, to help my clients, you know, walk the path of divorce. Um, you know, depending on which stage they come to me in, I help um, kind of diffuse the emotional part of it. I take that off the attorney's plate because it's much cheaper. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, and then also get them organized for the, the business process and really try and keep them uh, focused on, on the outcome and not the emotion. And as attorneys, we're counselors, and so we have to be able to deal with emotions and we have to be able to counsel people what is the right choice for you right now. But what we are not is therapists, and we don't have expertise in that piece. And so not only are we more expensive perhaps, but also not necessarily the best to address some of that stress and emotional. So what are your qualifications for those areas as a divorce coach? What kind of qualifications does a divorce coach have? Well, I'm actually going to start with the uh, School of Hard Knocks. I am a two-time divorce survivor. Um, I am, I have a, uh, I'm a board-certified holistic health coach, so essentially, you know, a life coach, more of a holistic approach, certified divorce coach. Um, I'm a certified breakthrough parenting instructor. Um, I also um, have a certificate in neuro-linguistic programming, so really um, teaching uh, people how to retrain their brain and their thoughts what they focus on. And also a holistic nutritionist, I think. And you just cover the whole package. Yeah. Well, and that's what holistic is, right? Absolutely. And what do you bring to the table that a lawyer really can't address? 
You know, the emotions, and I know this from experience because I was very young when I went through my first divorce. I used my divorce attorney as my cheerleader and my BFF and my punching bag. And, you know, when I got hit with the bill at the end of that, I was like, well, it's probably not a good choice, you know? And nor, nor are most attorneys really trained to navigate the emotional aspect. You know, they're there to represent you, be your advocate, file the legal documents. Um, and so, you know, I try and diffuse the emotions. I take that on. I'm trained in doing that. I've got a lot of personal experience, a lot of, you know, cert- certifications to, to back that up. Um, but, you know, one thing I've noticed in divorce is ego generally is, is the biggest problem in divorce. So of the lawyers? <laughs> the no. client, right. Kind of everyone, that's the a, judge. Yeah, well, that's true, right? But, but that's what gets in the way between, yeah. you know, the spouses. Um, is ego. I see them fighting over things all the time that aren't even significant, but they have to have a win, right? Oh, yeah, that is true. There's a lack of trust. There's, we talked about the victim mentality that you can get trapped into that victim or that one-upmanship, like I'm not going to let it get past me. And that's so expensive if you go down that road. Yeah. So you talked about that a divorce coach can actually save someone money, especially if it's a contested divorce that's dragging on. How does a divorce coach seem to save a client money when it comes to having a lawyer as well? Sure. No, that's a great, great question. Well, my, my hourly fee is typically much lower than that of an attorney. Okay. So if, um, if you're looking, you know, for a support system, you need that emotional support, that, that cheerleader, that advocate, um, I can be that person for much less money and I'm trained to be that person. Um, as a divorce coach also, I, you know, help to diffuse the emotions as we talked about here. Um, I try and keep the, uh, the, the business brain on, you know, and, and instead of getting the emotions involved. Um, so really saving money, you know, being your cheerleader. Oftentimes family and friends like to get involved with their opinion. Oh, that's true too. You know? We say fire the committee because yes. what happens is, as one mediator put it, everyone's neighbors, dog walkers, cousin had their divorce <laughs> cheaper, faster, better. They paid them. You know, their lawyer paid them to represent them. And it's like, right. it's just, yeah, everyone's got well-meaning div- uh, advice, but is it helpful. It's It's usually misguided. Well, it is. You know, you don't take them to the cleaners. That's not how it works. Yeah, I hear that a lot too. Shoot for the fences. And the truth is the judge is looking for who's reasonable. And so you come in there asking for something that's outlandish or preposterous, you lose credibility. And some of those things may be Um, It must be hard. You've got your lawyer telling you to have reasonable expectations, which is our job. Mm -hmm. And then you've got family telling you, go get them, shoot for the fences, do everything, tell the kids how terrible they are. And then the judge is, of course, not going to want you to be bashing the other parent Mm, if parents are involved. And so it's hard because I think sometimes they don't just have a lack of trust in the other party that they're divorcing they have a lack of trust even in their attorney, and mm-hmm. they don't know who to trust. Right. And then um, I may not have an hour, or maybe that's not a great use of my time, to just kind of vent. and Or sometimes just people aren't ready to dig in and do their paperwork. You and, know, that's a common complaint, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about that the other day. Just what is it with these financial, you know, the financial affidavit? Why is it so hard to get that, you know, completed and done? 
Um, and yes, a lot of people need a push there, and, and I help with that. You know, help them stay organized. I know all their dates and deadlines coming up, so it, you know it makes the process so much more seamless. And again, it just saves them money. How do you get them to get motivated and work on their paperwork when you get someone who's just dodging you or not returning calls? Do you have any pointers? You know, I actually interview my clients before I decide to take them on because I really need somebody that's coachable. Okay. You know, somebody that's not going to be resistant and that's somebody that, that truly wants the best outcome for themselves, for their family, you know, and they're realistic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that way I can set the expectations. Setting the expectations up front, you know, like you and I talked about yesterday, you know, it with court, it is about calculations and guidelines, right? All this, all this outside stuff, and I know we're going to jump into that in a minute. The whole no fault, um, you know, doesn't doesn't come into play. So if I can set those expectations ahead of time, so they know what to expect, what's going to be, I hate to use the word admissible, and what's not, um, you know, that saves so much time and energy and money. That is really great advice, and that's something they tell us as lawyers to do right at the get-go is set those expectations. And that's the easiest time to set them because a client comes in and they have decided this is a person I can work with. It's almost, I say, like dating. You have to be able to get along. It, they have to trust that I'm a good lawyer and you're a good coach. Right. But they also have to say, yeah, I can kind of hang with this person during the tough times she's responsive, she returns my texts, I feel comfortable talking to her, she's not uppity, or our personalities jive a little bit. Right. So that's very important, but also when once they make that choice and they're like, okay, I'm gonna go with Dominique or I'm gonna go with Anderson Law, that's the time to set those expectations and put them in writing. That's mm -hmm. what we do as lawyers, of course. We have them sign an engagement letter. And then it's easier to remind them later when it gets so hard and they're worn out and it's so contested. Right. And you can just say, but remember, we talked about whatever the goal is. And I find I'm a lot like a trainer in terms of working out. They don't want to do it and I kind of have to make them, right. number one. And then number two, I remind them of the progress they made. Right. Because sometimes they're like, I'm not getting anywhere, especially after a divorce. Maybe they have a post-decree matter and they're, oh, it's so hard. I want to step this up. And it's, but look where you were. Right. And look where you are. Yeah. You know, I call, I jokingly call divorce a team sport because it really is. It's not your attorney. You know, it, it's a team effort. It really is. The yeah. client has to participate just as much. Everyone just has their own, you know, spot on the field. And that's another reason I think it's like um, a workout coach, because I'll tell them, work on it a half hour a day. Like, just set your alarm, set it for 25 minutes, work for 25 minutes, and then you're done. Like, go whatever, watch a Netflix or have a glass of wine or whatever works for you. Go for a walk because you did your job for the day. And just do it every day. Get through that paperwork, because there's an emotional component to it, which I think is another reason they resist it. They just don't want to think about the divorce. So they're just like, oh, I'll do it later. Or oh, the other guy didn't do it, so I'm not doing it. Right. And, and the number one rule I have is get your paperwork done on time and knock it out. You're going to do better. I've tried every tactic like, well, let's see what they're turning over. It's just get your deadlines done. I think that's the most effective. Oh, absolutely. It's not really 
appealing. It's not a sexy answer like, I want to be so tricky. I'm going to invest in gold coins and hide them underground or something. But no, that doesn't work. It's an old trick. What works is just turn over all your documents. Just disclose. It's boring, but it works. Well, and once you file, you know, the clock starts ticking. That it 91 does. days, so you need to have all your stuff together first. Yeah, and it shines a flashlight on it when they don't turn it over. Absolutely. But, yeah, I really am thinking that I want my clients to hire you because then I can focus on the lawyering, which is my favorite part. But I do really have a – I don't really necessarily – want them all to know and they probably won't all hear this but I really care about all my clients even the difficult ones I really am rooting for all of them yeah so um it is kind of personal because I want them to do well but I want to focus on the legal part above everything else and it would be wonderful to have a good divorce coach to take care of some of the other yes yes yeah so I'm with you now you have some great ways for clients to find out more about you. You have Facebook, a website coming up, and a book. Do you want to talk about those things, how people can find you? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so my website, although um, it's been taking down and it's under construction right now at the worst possible time, <laughs> but it is divorcing.com. Um, you're not going to see much of anything right now, so check back on that. Um, but on Facebook, I do have a uh, divorce support community, and it's called... Uh, I believe, Divorce Support Community by Divorzing. So it's a, it's a little bit lengthy of a name. Divorce Support Community by Divorzing. And just remember that Z in there. Um, and uh, it is a private page. Um, so it's just an open forum for, you know, people to to relate to each other that have gone through divorce. You know, I chime in and, and helped, you know, with some guidance as well. I also have a book that I'm excited about coming out this year. Um, I, I have to tweak the title a little bit, but um, uh, it's basically how to do divorce uh, like a grown-ass woman. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really more of an instructional book based on, you know, God, stuff I got so wrong in my divorce, right, from personal experience. Uh, and again, it's just uh, saving money, saving the emotions. Um, divorce really is a strategy. I really try and get that across to my clients initially. Like, we have to strategize this whole process. And that's the other thing about getting your documents together, because that those are just the ingredients. But you can't start baking the cake or formulating the strategy until you have the ingredients. The ingredients. So just turn it all over to your lawyer. They're not going to be shocked. Don't hide it. And then you can start saying, oh, look at this. And the best is when it's a win-win. Like, I, I'm not going to talk about any specific cases, but just for example, oh, well, I can keep you on my insurance, my employer will pay it, and that's a win-win if we can figure out how to make that work instead of the maintenance or whatever it is. Like, yes. the, that's the getting to yes part. And how can you do that if people just don't turn over their paperwork? You can't. No, you can't. The clock, again, is ticking. And there's, yeah. you know, a price to pay when you don't meet those deadlines. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, Dominique, I'm so proud of you. You're doing great. And it's very impressive. And it's always so fun to talk to you. And especially, oh. I didn't think about it till just now. But like, you're doing so well. I'm really proud of you, girl. Oh, thank Good you. Good for you. I appreciate that. I love yeah. what I do. Yeah, me too. I really like um, my job. And I work with people that I enjoy. That's of course, I have a voice in it because I get to hire them or have contractors, but um, it's it's a good gig. I'm really happy with what I do, even though it's getting through something that my clients don't necessarily enjoy. They're not going to. Like, no one's, thank you, may I have another? Right. But getting through it and helping them and get that fresh start, that's 
it's it's meaningful. It is. You yeah. know, I, I call it the gift in the dust, right? It's like I didn't get married and divorced twice for no reason. Yeah, you well, right? you speak with authority because you went through it right. and I went through it. And right. I don't even have to say it. They can tell that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It just resonates in how I advise them. So um, I do think that that's an important part that is kind of a gift that you give them that you understand what they're going through, even though you don't have to remind them of it all the time. And I love how you say that. I would agree, because you're a very warm person. And I didn't know initially about, you know, your background, what led Uh you to do what you do. Um, But uh, you connect very well. I like that. You know, we do so many free consults, and I think that helped us, that it taught us about the whole gamut of divorce types. And I I don't have any second thoughts about giving away the free consults, because it was enabling me to do a better consult and to understand better. Mm, right. And I think it's hopefully going to help me with the podcast because, I mean, I just do it all day, every day. It seems like I'm on the phone advising clients or doing consults. And then, of course, right. somewhere I have to fix, fit in my second job of writing documents and preparing for court uh, and yep, those things, I know too. it. know it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for letting me interview you. And then we have a couple more things as part of our podcast. The first one is um, – Actually, Chad Coleman at Herosmith is where we are recording this podcast. And I told him, I'm going to start with a lawyer joke. And he's like, no. (laughs) He's just like, I don't think you should do that. But for whatever reason, I want to do a lawyer joke every time. So I am going to do a lawyer joke anytime. He's not here. He can't hear me. Don't edit it out, Chad. But (laughs) here's my divorce joke of the day. It's a divorce joke. Why is divorce so expensive? (laughs) why because it's worth it (laughs) oh I love them I love them there's so many good ones it doesn't all have to be dry you know and you got to keep your sense of humor isn't that yeah totally if you can manage it right you do and 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 it was really important to me that we do unbundled legal services I'll talk about that where you pay as you go and my rate believe it or not is lower for my level of skills because I wanted to represent average people. I didn't want to only be waiting around for the multimillionaires. I really think that you can make a living representing the average person who's not going to want to spend an arm and a leg. And because of that, now maybe I can help 10 people get a divorce and offload a lot of the work onto them to do themselves. And that saves them money and I, that was another thing I was just telling a client today. I said, I'd rather do 10 divorces and they negotiate a lot themselves and knock that out without me than one divorce and I just take everything they have, which just doesn't seem right. That's right. not how it should be. Right. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah. And that's how I found you and used you. That's what I like. I mean, yeah. I really um, feel better about it. Absolutely. Yeah, that and our prime directive, never harm a child. And so then I can just go to bed at night because I always know if there's a kid involved, the law doesn't really say harm the kid, do something that damages them. You're never going to do well if that's your goal. So, So, okay, so that was the next phase. And then we're going to move on to our question of the day. And since this is our first one, we already discussed our question of the day. In fact, Dominique helped me come up with the question of the day, which is, what is a no-fault divorce and how does that affect the divorce process? So do you mind starting with the divorce coach's perspective on a no-fault divorce? 
<laughs> or do you want me to go first? Oh, no. Either way, no, I can't. On the spot. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. You know, and again, along with setting the expectations, um, people that have not gone through the process before, uh, you know, don't have an understanding of why certain information is not even considered in the divorce process, right? Like um, the cheating ex-husband that married another woman while he was still married to me. And this is a true story, and I am Mm -hmm. talking about myself, (laughs) right? In my first divorce, I actually, you know, my attorney just didn't seem to have that compassion and that empathy. I I actually wrote a letter to the judge and ended up getting fired by my attorney because I thought that he needed to know about this injustice. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. But this stuff, you know, it doesn't matter here in Colorado, right? I mean, he Uh could have five wives. And a letter is not admissible. It is not. And I, you know, I was young and scared. It's so typical that someone wants the judge to know where they're coming from. And that's basic human nature. We want to connect and understand that they see where we're coming from before we even want to trust them yeah. with decisioning. It's that validation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in court, they can't even listen to that because no. if it weighs into their decision, it's reversible error. So they don't want to get to the bottom of who's the cheater, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, what about the infidelity, but maybe the other person did it too. Or may, they can say, well, I was driven to it. It's just they don't want to get into all that. Right, right. So that that is, you know... Uh, setting that expectation, and, and often people are very disappointed knowing that this, you know, so much of this information just, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. So don't vent to your attorney about it because it's just going to cost you a lot of money and get you nowhere, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I want to know where they're coming from. And I try to, my style of representation is I try to get a read on both parties to an extent of how they function and where they're coming from because it helps with the negotiations right. and prep for court. But um, in terms of the no fault, I find it such a tremendous relief because I don't care about all those things. Um, I just want to help them move forward. And so for parenting, it's really just best interest of the child. So it's going to be, um, you know, they look at various factors and they'll say, how should the parenting time look and how should the decision making look? And then they go to child support and cost. It's pretty straightforward and the judge will put the kids ahead of both parties right fortunately yeah so um it wouldn't really matter that one person's out causing havoc and a lot of times that's not age appropriate to share with the kids anyway that just puts them in the middle so you don't go oh your dad did this or that she cheated on me kids don't want to hear that it's really not age appropriate and it puts them in the middle well, and, and, and probably, you know, like for me, for you, it's like the kids involved makes this job really t- That's what makes this really tough is yeah. when there's a lot of mudslinging and the kids are in the middle. Um, yeah, and people don't know. They think, oh, the truth will set them free. Not really. Right. So that's a first one for no fault. But if it's something that affects them, then you it's relevant in the case. So, for example, if someone is in a relationship with someone who maybe was – Um, a child abuser or um, a sexual predator, of course that's relevant if they're living in the house with someone like that. Oh, gosh, yeah. So it is relevant for parenting, but not, oh, well, he has a girlfriend, she lives elsewhere, it's terrible. It may not be something that's important for parenting to the judge or, you know, just for the professionals involved. And then when it comes to dividing property and debt, they don't try to set the record straight in terms of, 
oh, well, one person did a bad thing. Maybe they had domestic violence, so they should get less money. That, again, it would be reversible error. Maybe if they had a huge lawyer's bill, that would be a consideration. But you don't just say, well, you're a bad guy, you're a good guy. Right. You get money, you don't. Right. That's the whole no fault. But it is equitable distribution. And what that means is it should be fair, not so much in good guys and bad guys, but in terms of the fairness of the money. So um, it's very rare, but if you maybe had someone who had millions that they inherited, that might weigh in. That, well, okay, you guys together are worth $1 million, but this other person's worth $20 million, and they have passive income of a million a year. Maybe they get a little less of the $1 million, okay? Because that's all this other person's going to have, if that makes sense. That's mm-hmm. a little sophisticated. And then um, just kind of making sure it's fair in terms of how much you earn or what your potential is. But for the most part, it's pretty 50-50. And they don't look at fault. And if they do a reversible error, I should explain what that means. If it got appealed, they'd say, you weren't supposed to look at that. So we reverse you. You have to go do another hearing. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I talk about court isn't so much that every case goes to court. A lot of cases settle, but more so you want to know what would happen if you went to court. Oh, absolutely. you got to be prepared for any scenario. Yeah, yeah. and then you can settle because you'd say, oh, this is how much maintenance I'll probably get. This is a good offer. So, Right. So do you have anything else about no-fault divorce to add to the conversation? Um, you know, I, I had something fly through my brain a minute ago here. What was it? Um, oh, you know, I guess this falls along the line of no-fault. But, you know, very, very often the women that I work with have been stay-at-home moms, um, yep. have given up six-figure, you know, uh-huh. um, careers to be at stay-at-home moms. The divorce happens. They haven't, you know, updated their resume in, what, 10, 15 years. Um, so they feel, you know, where, how can I recapture that time monetarily from his income? Like, how how can my time, since I'm not a paid stay-at-home mom, you know, be factored into the divorce Oh, and that's maintenance, which is alimony. Right. In Colorado, we call it maintenance. And that was me, actually. I was a stay-at-home mom for 15 years when I got divorced. and as a, But I already had my law degree. And so I went and read the law, and I found out, oh, I got to go back and get a job. And ugh, I wish my clients would. <laughs> I just read it in, in the law, and I was that's the law, so I will do it. Um, that's rare. My clients a lot of times are, mm, anything but. And I don't necessarily always agree with it because there are exceptions, like if you're disabled or if you're a full-time caretaker for a child under two years. Right. But, yeah, there are situations where maybe a stay-at-home mom's the best for the whole family, and it's kind of a shame, I think, that they don't think about that, especially if it's a family of means. But that's the law, so I just followed it, and I wouldn't have my own law firm if I hadn't. Right. But um, I know that you qualify for maintenance. There are guidelines, and they're not a presumption, but they're a guideline. I find the courts very commonly follow them, and so there's a compensation. They call it rehabilitation, getting you ready to go back into the workforce. So it's a formula, and then if the judge doesn't follow it, they have to have a reasoned opinion why they didn't. So there's plenty of ways that they kind of help that person get back to work. Right. So, so yeah, that's kind of part of the – but, again, it's no fault. It's just um, an economic choice to help them get ahead. Right. And then next week, our question of the week will be – I changed it, Dominique, because I think I will be talking to someone, and it may change, but I'm 
going to have a question of the week about how do you move on after there's a death in the family? Because part of my family law practice is we do probate and we um, help when there's someone who passes away, how to clean up the estate, sell real estate, and kind of get a case opened and move on. So that's our question of the week is really, what are some tips for moving on, disposing of property, and taking that next step when there's a death in the family? So I wonder if you have any pointers on that. You're also a realtor. Do you have any pointers? You know, I just instantly, I'm just seeing a lot of people like haggering and and vultures, you know, flying in. (laughs) I call them swoopers because they're the prodigal son that was never there. And then here they come with their empty pickup when right. at the end. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, so that, you know, that's also another super emotional uh, situation, obviously. You know, the passing, there's there's that, but then you have to immediately, while grieving, put on the business hat. How are we going to divide all this? And is there a will? And um, and then the fighting with the siblings. Just do we, I want to keep the house. I want to raise my kids in this house. So... So yeah. it's very contentious. I was shocked. It, it's, it can be more contentious than divorce. And that shocked me it, how it, contentious it is. It can be. And yeah. I, I guess the best thing I could say is for, for parents, you know, define these things now. Get your wills done. You know, get all the get the estate planned ahead of time with very specific, distinct instructions so that you don't. A hundred percent. Yeah. This, right. Oh, and, it's such a big deal. I'm from farm country. I grew up in South Dakota and. I saw families just split apart because who got the farm? It just destroyed families. And in my probate and estate planning practice, I still continue to see it in all different areas. A bad estate plan can destroy your family. What you own, your legacy, instead of helping your kids in the future, it can destroy their relationship. I was shocked how often it happens. Yeah, and people don't think about that, you know? Yeah. It's like, you just wouldn't, especially when you're starting out as a young couple, starting starting your family, you know, you really, you don't think that far ahead, but it is so critical to have all this stuff outlined and established. Yeah, and, and that your extended family, like your parents, because you'll be the ones left behind usually, so. Right. Yeah, I think that's, well, I totally agree with you, and I really didn't realize it until I did it as a profession and how important that is, so. Thank you for being my first interview. Well, I am flattered to Defor- be the sizing. I hope you'll come back and do another podcast in the future Absolutely. because this was super easy for my first one. Good. I knew that I, I knew exactly who I wanted to do it. Oh, I appreciate yeah. that. Love yeah. being here. I love talking about it. I'm passionate about it. So anytime. Well, I'm happy to refer people to you. I would very much appreciate people having a divorce coach and understanding that lawyers are here for the law. And um, there's a very emotional component for everyone in divorce. And so instead of pretending like it doesn't exist, get a coach and get past it. And so you can move on. So I'm Beth Anderson of Anderson Law PC. And our um, kind of our motto is protecting your family, your finances and your future with divorce, custody, probate, elder law and really just helping you move along and get back on track after those changes in life. Thank you so much. 